Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable, still in Paris. This is actually our last episode in Paris. I returned to America in two days. I'm kind of weird about it. Like, I want to go home. I haven't been home since... February. And there's a bunch of stuff that I need to take care of. But also, I really, really love Paris and I really don't want to go home. I really, I love it here. I feel the same way as when I was riding to the airport in Ghana and I was like, why am I leaving again? Like I wanted to explore other places. I wanted to see other things. Like I was really excited about doing South Africa and then seeing whatever came from there. I wasn't sure what. I was like, maybe I'll do three months in South Africa. And then this whole, you know, see some world thing won't be a life anymore. It'll be more like vacations. And then, you know, I left for South Africa and literally have not been home since. But I have so much stuff that I need to take care of. One of the things I'm looking forward to, I need new clothes. I've been wearing the same shit for nine months. (laughs) I have three suitcases. Two of them are trunks. So I have ample amounts of clothes, but I have clothes for seasons for fall and summer. So when it's cold out, like there's a limited wardrobe. When it's warm out, there's a limited wardrobe. But I've been wearing the same clothes in rotation for months. Months. I just need, not need. There's a difference between need and wants. I technically could wear all of these things. They are well-made clothes. They are of quality. They are clean and in good condition. And I'm not throwing them out. I just got to swap out some clothes or maybe get some new stuff. Like I'm just, I'm tired. First world problems. I know, I know. And still, but yeah. And I just miss like certain foods. Like I've already put together an eating plan. I want a crab cake and fried fish and macaroni and cheese real, real bad. Unless I want to gain back the inches that I lost while I've been gone walking 10, 12, 15,000 steps a day all over Europe. I need to pace my eating and my working out because nothing I want is healthy. Absolutely nothing. I want to get my nails properly done. I was getting them done just fine up until the last round. The lady in Bali, she didn't do my nails so good. And they all started breaking off. So, like, I got to get my nails put back together. I told you that the lady that I originally wanted to cut my hair, so many of you sent 
recommendations for your stylist who does natural hair. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Most of them were in New York, which it's not far from D.C., but I prefer not to go to New York to get my hair done, especially since D.C. has a ton of natural hair stylists. It's just I don't know who they are or who I can trust. But the woman that I originally reached out to, I told you I DM the stylist from my Instagram account with my blue check mark, And I was like, look, I'm put this thing to good use. And I was like, at least she'll read the email, I think. But she responded back. She was very sweet. This is the woman who I really, really, really wanted to cut my hair. She cuts the hair of this hair influencer that I followed for years. And she has a glorious mane. And I was like, this is what I want. But she wrote back like a really sweet note. And she was like, yeah, I'll open up the books for you. Just let me know when you want to come in. And I was like, I, I want the day after I arrive. That's when I want to come in. And she was like, yeah, sure, no problem. And I was like, is it that easy? It can be. So I'm really excited about this haircut. Like I want bangs because my hair is like all in my face. It hasn't been trimmed in... It hasn't been trimmed since before I left for Ghana. It's healthy enough. I mean, not that I've blown it straight to see what my ends look like, but I also never wear my hair straight. So is there a need to blow it straight to see what my ends look like? I would like to get a curly cut. We'll see. Whatever this lady feels like doing, she could do. I've identified this cut that I've actually wanted for years. This is progress because I was going to shave my head. The only reason I'm not shaving my head is because I want braids again when I get to Ghana. If I have a Caesar, it's not impossible because, you know, Ghana braiders will snatch your soul We'll snatch up your soul and figure out how to braid it. I figure since I'm not going to, you know, damn near shave my head, I might as well keep my hair. Don't try to understand the logic. Just nod and say, okay. In news that will surprise no one, I went back to the Usher concert. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. I was like, I have to see Usher again. You know how I was on here moaning about how I couldn't get back to Vegas or like I could, but I didn't want to like, you know, spare the cost and the time to fly from Europe to Vegas to see Usher. And then I was like, oh, well, he's coming to Paris. And I figured since he's right here and I am obsessed with Usher, I might as well just go again. The same person I went with the first time, she actually introduced the idea because I, I thought about it and I was like, you know, that's kind of doing the most. Like you went to see the show. It was really great. Like see him again, again, that's doing a lot. We were at dinner the other day. And so she was like, so I was thinking about going to the Usher. I was yes. Yes, before she could fully get the words out. Yes, let's go. And she was like, okay, because I found these tickets in their XYZ and I could just push send right now. I've already pulled it up. And I was like, whatever, yes. Then I was like, how much are they? It wasn't that bad. We got tickets for the VIP pit. Now, if you know me, you know that's not my usual MO. I think I've done like full segments on here about how I'm too grown I said this about the Beyonce concert. I was like, you know what? I'm really happy for everyone who's doing Club Renaissance, who is standing for the whole concert, who is up in the pit with the crazed fans, and they are just living their best lives and doing the electric slide and, and going mute. I get it. I'm excited for them. And I've said that will never be me because I am a person of a certain age and my ass needs to sit down. But I figured, since I've already been to Usher... And I stood up the whole time. I mean, there were like two parts of the concert, literally when Usher goes to change clothes. Like people sat down. That was all of two minutes. And then we were back on our feet the rest of the concert. I was like, as long as I don't wear heels, I should be fine. So me and my friend, like we went and we got in the pit. Luckily, it wasn't super crowded. It was actually very like moderately paced. It was good. The only thing is we couldn't drink. Like she left in mid-concert to go get champagne because it's like the part where he does all the dance music. And you know, like, we know the track list because we were just there. She reappeared, like, 40 minutes later. And I was like, you've been getting drinks all this time? And she was like, well, no. One, I went out. I got drinks. They wouldn't let me back in. 
And then I was like, oh, no, you're going to let me in. Like, I have to be able to see, even if you won't let me back in the pit. And they were like, we can't let you in the pit when he's on stage. So she had to wait for a wardrobe change. She was like, I was over there chilling with security. I got great views. She showed me her video. And I was like, girl, that's better than in the pit. It's freaking amazing. We were close enough where I could hear their steps as they danced. I could see the sweat dripping off Usher's body. Like, I can see him breathing. It was great. If you really wanted to, and you didn't mind getting your ass beat, and then probably kicked out the concert, you really could, like, reach out and touch Usher. Yes, probably could climb on stage. I wouldn't suggest it again, but it probably could have been done. It was so good. I'm glad I saw it twice, and both, like, in the different locations. This is the only person I've gone to see in concert, like, in the same week, like, back-to-back like that. Remember the... It's actually the second time I was in Paris for the year. I want to say in May, I went to the Renaissance concert. And then when I got back to London, Beyonce was there too. And some friends were in town. They were like, we got an extra Beyonce ticket. And I was like, "Mm, I'm good. And she was like, oh, you don't have to pay for it. She was like, you just come. We just have an extra ticket. Because somebody pulled out and they already paid and was just like, you know, pay it forward. Use it in health. Like, just come to Beyonce. And I was like, "Mm, I'm good. I'm like, I just saw it. I don't need to see it again. And I like Beyonce very, very much. But I just had no desire to see it twice. I might see her again. Like, I mean, the tour ends next week. I thought it ended in New Orleans, but there's another stop after New Orleans. Like, I would consider it now, now that there's, like, space between it. And she's doing, like, massive outfit changes. But a week apart? Mm. Usher? I saw him Monday and again on Thursday. And quite honestly, (laughs) if I wasn't going back to the States on Sunday, I probably would see him again. That's how good the concert is. Some girl in my comments on, um, because I was posting footage from the concert. Some lady asked me, did you just learn of Usher? Is it that serious that you had to go see him twice? And I was like, "Mm, I wanted to and I could, so I did. He makes me happy. His concert is really freaking amazing. And even watching it up close, like, it's one thing to watch somebody from a distance. You're seeing the entertainment of it all. When you're really up on the stage, it's almost like going to Broadway. When you're close to the stage, like, you can really see the the work that goes into it. All his dancers are phenomenal, as, as he is. So you're not, it's not like you're watching somebody and you can see them counting that eight count. It's like you just see, like, the, the physical exertion. His dancers are essentially doing, like, high-impact aerobics for two hours straight. It's insane. He's doing high-impact aerobics for two hours straight and singing. From a distance, you watch him glide around on the roller skates and it just seems so effortless. When you're up on the stage, you hear the hit of the roller skate on the ground and then Usher dancing. I was like, sir, some of this stuff I just didn't notice when I was sitting out in the audience. A lot of the show, he's performing to the main stage and the pit is behind him. So, and he like does a lot of like turning and dancing and swirling around. He's really good at like working a stage. So it wasn't like I looked at his back the whole time, but I looked at his back a lot. And I was like, my God, he's chiseled as fuck. And he does these dances where he like isolates different muscles. I've seen it before from a distance, seeing it up close and literally seeing like all the different muscles moving at once. Usher is a level of talent. And I knew this because, you know, I'm obsessed with Usher. As a performer, I don't really like want to jump on him or anything. I just kind of like gazing at him. It was an amazing concert. I'm going to be spending the next... What is it, October? November, December, three months. I'll be spending the next three months of my life trying to figure out how to get to the Super Bowl. It's worth it. It's Usher. I read that he's going 
in addition to doing the Super Bowl. He's dropping a new album. He announced that the first night at the concert. And then allegedly, there are rumors that right after the Super Bowl performance, he's going to drop dates for a world tour, which I was like, yo, black man, get your money. Because you know he's going to kill the Super Bowl stage. Like, that's a given. Millions of people around the world are going to see that performance. And then they're going to be like, I want to see Usher in person. And that's just going to sell out, like, immediately. It's kind of brilliant. Because it's not like he gets paid for the Super Bowl. It's the Apple Music halftime show. I think that's what it's branded as. So Apple's picking up the cost of production. So he's not coming out of pocket. But he's also not getting a check. Like, the whole thing with performers doing the Super Bowl is that their sales spike, their stream spike worldwide. So that's the draw for it. But Usher's like, I'm not getting the money from that stage, but I'll get one from my own. Won't I will? It's genius. If the world tour is indeed a true thing, which also means the Vegas residency is coming to a close. But if the world tour is a real thing, I'm going to go see him somewhere. Somewhere. Like the Super Bowl and somewhere else. Like, did you just hear of him? Is it that serious? It is. Evidently, it is. Let folks enjoy things. (laughs) Jesus. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. What else is going on? My mother told me this and I was like, yo, I really need to pay attention to the world more. My mother was like, yeah, they just arrested somebody for like Tupac's murder. And I was like, what? That sounds crazy. That didn't happen. And she was like, look at it. It did. She said it and I forgot about it. And then I was like scrolling on Facebook and I saw somebody had posted a link. A man arrested for murder of Tupac Shakur. And I was like, are you kidding me? Not that I forgot he was murdered. Obviously not. That's one of those like, where were you when Kennedy got shot? I think for my mom's generation. I remember exactly where I was when I heard Tupac died and Biggie. I was freshman in college. I was coming back from, I don't know where, but I was in the lobby of my dorm and I was waiting for an elevator. And this guy, he didn't even go to our school, but he was always on campus. And he looked and dressed like Tupac. Brown skin dude, bald head, 
actually remember his name. And he would wear this bandana tied in the front, but he dressed like Tupac. Like he really just, he really thought he was like, you know, Tupac. I don't even want to say reincarnation because at the time I met him, Tupac was alive. But we were waiting for the elevator and he got off the elevator and he was screaming like, they killed Tupac, they killed Tupac, they killed Tupac. And I was like, they killed Tupac? Tupac's not dead. Because he'd been shot like prior to that. Remember he got shot, he was in a wheelchair and he like held up the middle fingers and spit on the press. He survived that shooting and it kind of made Tupac feel, to me at least, larger than life. And then, like, you know, old boy is yelling, like, they killed Tupac. And I was like, there's no way they killed Tupac. And this is, like, 1996. So we don't have internet on our cell phones yet. So it's not like somebody, like, Google that real quick. I don't even think we had internet in our dorm rooms. If we did, it was slow as hell. But I want to say we turned on the radio. And WPGC was talking about, like, Tupac got killed. And I was like, oh, my God. Tupac's dead? That's also how I found out Biggie got killed. I came home from the club one night. And fell asleep with the radio on. And I woke up the next day to an announcer who was hysterical talking about Biggie Small shot dead in Las Vegas. And I was like, what? What? So Tupac's killer, alleged killer, because he's not been convicted. I'm reading this on CNN. It's an update from 43 minutes ago. A grand jury has indicted Dwayne Keith Davis. He goes by Cafe D on charges of murder with use of a deadly weapon in connection with the 1996 killing of rapper Tupac Shakur. Davis, now 60. Davis was arrested Friday morning in Las Vegas. Davis has long placed himself at the scene of the crime, saying he was in the front seat of the white Cadillac that came up beside Shakur's car when shots rang out from the back seat, killing the musician. The rapper was shot four times and died six days later. I'm scrolling through this article. They're talking about the night Tupac was killed. He was in Vegas for a Mike Tyson fight at the MGM Grand. The police allege that Davis obtained the gun that was used to kill Tupac and provided it to the passengers in the back seat because that's where the shots came from. They said Davis and the group in his car, they found the black BMW where Shakur and Shug Knight were riding and began shooting at them through the window. Police say that Dwayne Davis was the shot caller. He orchestrated the plan that was carried out to commit this crime. The police note that all other individuals associated with the crime are dead, including Davis's nephew, who was in the car. He denied his involvement with the murder in an interview with CNN. He died from a gang-related shooting in 1998. Oh, this is interesting. You know how last episode we talked about people who run their mouths too much? D-Wade and Gabby. They be telling all they tea. So according to this article in CNN, which is referring to information from the Las Vegas authorities, they said the police have known about Davis being a potential suspect for decades. They didn't have enough evidence. Their interest in the case was, quote, reinvigorated in 2018 when Davis admitted to his participation in some fashion in Tupac's death. This is ridiculous. Police searched Davis's wife's home in July, and they found a copy of a memoir that Davis authored detailing the murder of Tupac. And I'm still reading this on CNN. It says, in the memoir, 
Davis describes himself as one of only two living witnesses to Shakur's shooting, the other being Shug Knight, who's now in prison for manslaughter in an unrelated case. When Davis was asked who of the four men in the car, his car, was responsible for pulling the trigger, he said, quote, going to keep it for the code of the streets. It just came from the back seat, bro. Are you kidding me? Let me say this first and foremost. I'm glad that someone has been arrested based on his, you know, kind of own admissions. He had some shit to do with it. He was least in the car. It's crazy to me that he finally got arrested because he was running his mouth. I'm like, what in the O-Dog? Sir, isn't this the plot line for Minister Society? Am I making that up? I haven't watched Minister Society in years. But really, you wanted to be out here boasting about how you killed Tupac and the police actually heard you and now arrested you. You could have really gone to your grave with that. It's been since 1996. You about to end up in jail for the rest of your life because you wanted to brag to some hood niggas about a murder you were witness to or committed. One or the other. Provided the gun for it. And you're the only person left alive? Maybe if he has a decent lawyer, he could blame it on somebody dead. It's not like they can prosecute them. I need to start printing them shirts again. Shutting the fuck up is free. Shutting the fuck up will keep you free. In other good news, the writer's strike has come to an end. I think that thing went on for 148 days. It's been painful. I ain't never wanted to actually go to work so bad. We were mid-season working on the show. I'd just been assigned my first episode. I wish I could tell you what the show is. It's a show that I watch that we've talked about on here. Right before the strike started, I had just got assigned my own episode. And I was really, really excited about it because I pitched this idea. And I was like, what if we, you know how my mind works. Like, you know, I'd be all over the place. And then I pull it together at the end. And I was like, what if we try X, Y, Z? My EP and the other writers were like, yeah, actually, that, um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 do that. And I was like, yes. But it was my first episode and I was really excited about it. And then, you know, then the writers go on strike for 148 days, but well worth it. The writers, from what I've read, I'm reading this on Variety. It says the new writer's contract includes gains in compensation, a new requirement for minimum staff levels in TV writers rooms, improved payment terms for screenwriters and protections for the use of artificial intelligence in the writing process. So I follow a bunch of writers who I've seen discussing the deal. They seem to be very happy with it. The WGA ended the strike, I want to say Thursday at midnight, but the WGA members actually have to vote to accept this new contract. They're going to vote from October 2nd to October 9th. But by all accounts, everyone expects it to be ratified. All my writer friends, like everybody is like ready to go back to work. No one thought the strike would last this long. I like, I remember the conversations in the writer's room. It's like, well, you know, what do you think? Like, how long do you think it'll be? And they were like, you know, it could be 30, but it won't be any more than like 90. Like 90 is the max. And then here we are at 148. Folks really been struggling. So folks are ready, willing, and eager to get back to work as much for the check as if you're in the right writer's room. I mean, some of them can be hell. I've heard horror stories, but if you're in the right writer's room where you actually like enjoy the people that you're working with and people throw out good ideas and, and everyone's carrying their fair share of good ideas, good writing, good energy. It's actually really fun. Like I actually enjoyed 
being in the writer's room, despite the hours being nuts. Because I was in South Africa working on West Coast America time. The writer's room for me, I want to say, went from like 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. because we had an hour break. So like the first part of the writer's room, my electricity would be on in my apartment. (laughs) This sounds crazy. Like living it was one thing, like but reflecting on it, I'm like, though, this is insane. But the first part of the writer's room, my electricity would be on. And in the second part of the writer's room, I'd be sitting there in the dark with like a lamp plugged into a generator. (laughs) That was my life for three months in South Africa. Wouldn't trade it for anything. It was definitely a an experience in not taking anything for granted. Like, you know, reliable electricity. The little things. <sighs> what else is on our list? Oh, the ratchet shit. So Shannon Sharp, Club Shay Shay. We talk about his interviews, his podcast on here a lot. His most recent interview is with Brittany Renner. And I was like, who? I saw him post a picture of him announcing who the guest was for his next show. And the comments, overwhelmingly, I would say like 90% of the people in the comments were like, this is a new low. Unk, I know you're trying to get your ratings up, but you ain't got to go here with it. She doesn't deserve a platform. And I was like, well, who is she? I vaguely remember this woman's name from when... Deion Sanders had her come to Jackson State to talk to his team about the pitfalls of women and dating now that they are college-level athletes who are on track to go to the NFL. So he just wanted them to know like what the possibilities are, um, basically how bad some women, gold diggers essentially, can be. Story's a little deeper than that. Brittany Renner has dated a lot of famous people. And she's kind of like superhead. Remember Corinne Steffens from like back in the 2000s? Well, she talks a lot about her sex life and the famous people that she's had sex with. She also has a kid with a basketball player. I think I read he's worth over $100 million. But when they began dating, I want to say he was 18 and she was 26. And people were like, what is this 26-year-old woman possibly wanting with this 18-year-old other than essentially seeing him as a mark who she was eventually going to have a baby by and, you know, get this massive amount of child support, blah, blah, blah. And and he's too young, too naive, too stupid, however you want to call it, to peep the game that she's running on him. That was at least the narrative. Britney's narrative was like, no, he wanted to be in a relationship with me. He wanted me to move into his house and he wanted to have a child with me. I didn't track this dude. This is the woman that Shannon Sharp invited on his show. Just based on the details that I've shared, knowing how men and women, not just a man thing, react to women who are sexual, who have the nerve to, you know, date multiple people publicly or date people who have money. The 26-18 thing does strike me as not so good. It's also something men do every day and people are like, well, what's the problem? Like, that's what women are desirable. I'm like, eh. I don't like it when men do that, that big of an age gap. It's not so much the older you get, but 26 and 18 is like an entirely different world. I remember being 21, dating a guy who was 20 and it was a big thing because like I could go to bars and clubs and he couldn't go. He's just able to vote. He's never even lived on his own as an adult. And like, you're dating him as a 26-year-old? 
Not that 26-year-olds are the height of maturity, but in comparison to an 18-year-old, there's like a huge, huge gap, knowledge gap, life experience gap. I get why people are upset about that. But Brittany went on Club Shay Shay and they had a great interview. She was very forthcoming as she's known to be. She admitted during the interview that she'd had sex with 35 people and she did it unasked. Shannon Sharp had a mild conniption. He took a shot and then I think he drank from the bottle and then he took another shot. Like he seemed flustered. It was a very hyper animated response to her confession revelation because I think confession has a negative connotation to it but to her revelation her sharing of the number of people that she'd had sex with mind you she is 31 years old for obvious reasons that's the clip that that Shannon Sharp and his marketing team decided to share with the public the video has gone viral and everyone is talking about Brittany Renner and her 35 sex partners overwhelmingly people are like no that number's too low they're calling her out of her name you know what people call women who have sex it's not even about the number like you could say one you could say two you could not even have sex and people will still call you derogatory names that are related to quote and unquote promiscuous women but yeah Brittany said 35 and then Shannon Sharp proceeded to clown essentially. And I like Shannon Sharp. This is the first time I've seen him do something where I'm like, what are you doing? Even when he was trying to fight somebody on the side of the court and I was like, well, he's mad. He seems like a reasonable man. Like, let's hear him out. This one, I was just like, what are you doing? You're being like a very grown, very mature 50-something-year-old fuckboy. Like, what are you doing? Even if Shannon Sharp, you know, is a very conservative man, at the age of 50, he can count his sexual partners on one hand. Sir, you played in the NFL. You've heard men boast constantly about how much sex they have with women, how many women they've had sex with at the same damn time sometimes. You've heard all sorts of crass locker room talk, literally in the locker room, of the number of partners that men have had. Surely you've heard higher numbers before. But the way he reacted, I just felt like, I'm like, you're a grown-ass man. Like, are you really this immature? Yes. Funny enough, remember I told you the other day that, like, old boy from Mozambique was still stalking me? I found like this Facebook email address that like I didn't even know existed. I was searching for something else and I stumbled across all these unread messages. But there were messages going back to like 2013, 2014, back to when I had the Ask Demetria column at the root. So apparently someone had written in about a guy asking them, how many sexual partners that they had. And she didn't want to answer the question because she felt like it was a setup. And I told her, and I was like, because it is. Like the type of guy who wants to harp on how many people you've had sex with, one, really doesn't like you. Two, is very immature. Like, do you currently have STDs? Can we get tested? Reasonable inquiry about sex. How many people you've actually had sex with? What difference does it make? If I'm in a monogamous relationship with you and I'm not cheating, why do you really care who I've had sex with? Like, what, what, is, what are you really trying to get to with this question? It's always about using it to judge a woman's worth. And anytime a guy asks you that, he's about to figure out a way to shame you for it. In my response, I told the woman, get to the bottom of what he's trying to figure out. Like, are you trying to figure out if I have an STD? Well, why don't we go get tested together? Are you trying to figure out if I've dated one of your friends or someone that you may know in your circle? Then let's have a conversation about that and why you feel uncomfortable. But just to like, just a number, what does the number really mean? 
solely used as a way to judge women. And again, there's no right answer. So she asked me what she should do. I was like, either don't answer the question, get to the bottom of what they're really trying to figure out. Or, and I said this in the piece, I was like, I don't usually make this suggestion at all. It's actually one of the very few times I would make this suggestion. But I told her and I was like, really just lie. So this guy, and again, I'm finding this email maybe like two months ago, but this guy was really pissed off. He wrote like, I don't know, almost a thousand words. How wrong I was for 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 telling a woman to lie to her partner. Other relationship experts, even people that you respect, that you work with, have said that, you know, that wasn't the right answer to give. And he was like, you know, men have very valid reasons for asking. You know, if we're talking about building a life with somebody, we want to know that she's not a whore. We want to know that she's, you know, pure and respectable. And I was like, you're proving my point, sir, that you attach a woman's worth or her purity, whether she's deserving of being a wife based on her sexual encounters. I can see expecting a woman to be faithful and you find out that she's not. Like, I see how that could be problematic. But I was like, just that she had sex with other people before you, as long as there's no overlap, exactly what is the problem? Um, But he laid it out. Like, you know, it's a matter of purity. It's a matter of ego, really. He doesn't want other men to be able to say that they've experienced sex with his partner. And he also, and I think really this is at the heart of it. If a woman has sexual experience, She's probably going to compare what happens with you with others. And it doesn't mean compare in a bad way where she's going to be like, well, X, Y, Z, you know, did me better than you do. But just like she has like a frame of reference, like she's not ignorant. She's not naive. She kind of knows like, okay, these are the things that I like. These are the things that I expect. These are the things that I don't like. I'm, I'm not going to do. I'm willing to do. We see this play out in various other ways in the culture. Like, you know, we're at the point now where men are shaming women for getting college degrees. Like, you don't want them too educated because they might be smarter than you. You don't want them too experienced in sex because they might have demands of you. They might have expectations, like, you know, a wild revolutionary shit, like actually having an orgasm or receiving mutual pleasure and not just having sex with you for yours. There's all sorts of stuff mixed up in in why men ask women for their body count, which is why I was like, you know, don't answer or get to the bottom of it or just lie. And I stand 10 toes down on that advice, but I probably wouldn't give it now. If a man asked me how many people I had sex with, you're done. And it's not even because like I'm ashamed of my number. I realized a couple of things. It's like the kind of man that asks you like, what do you bring to the table? You don't really like me. You don't see value in me and you want me to sit here and explain to you why you should value me. And there's really nothing I can say to you to convince you to value me if you devalue me already so much that you're asking me stupid shit like, well, what do you bring to the table? You don't see it. Okay. You need to go find somebody else that you see it in instead of trying to get me to tap dance for you to convince you of my worth. The other part of this, this is a standard that men are never held to. What was the basketball player who was like, I've had sex with more than a thousand women and everybody was like, oh, ha ha ha. He had sex with more than a thousand women. That's so funny. That's so cute. Boys will be boys, men, men, men. You put your dick in more than a thousand people. Like, why don't you have any discernment with how you use your dick? The same men who are shaming Britney are the same men who will get on their page and talk about like, quote unquote, how many bitches I fucked. And those same men will turn around and be like, Britney Renner had sex with 35 people. They've had sex with more people than her but we'll shame her for the number of people that she has sex with. Also, we talk about this a lot on here because it keeps coming up in the culture. Men want to have sex. Men like having sex. 
men hate women, they also like to have sex. It makes no sense. You like to fuck. She likes to fuck. Why can't y'all just fuck? It's, it's almost like a pick an argument kind of question. That's why I'm like, you know what? Don't even lie. At this point, like, don't lie. Don't try to figure out why. Don't dodge the question. Just be like, you know what? I don't think this is going to work for me. Like, I don't think we're just aligned in, in, like, how we see the world. I don't feel like you value me to ask me something like that. Like, what difference does it make? Like, it's a very immature question. And I'm, I'm really seeking partnership in somebody that has more maturity than what you're displaying right now. What are you going to do with that question? You can answer it, but we've already discussed, like, where that's going to go. Like, just, ugh. But yeah, people are having full-on fits over a woman that they're not fucking, have no chance of fucking, having full-out fits over who she's decided to allow into her space, literally. Meanwhile, men will, like, put their dick in anything. I also find it really weird, and this is not an original thought. It's been said many times before. It's really interesting to me how women are devalued by their encounters with men. Like the more men that you have encounters with, and it could be sex, it could be dating, it could be pictures you post on Instagram, it could be stories that you share about your life. But the more encounters of any kind that women have with men, the less valuable the woman seems to be perceived in our society. If having encounters with men make a woman less desirable and less valuable and less worthy, what do the men who say these things actually think about themselves? Go ponder that. All right, that's the episode. We'll be back, I think, on Tuesday. I should be recovered by Tuesday. Talk soon. Bye.